In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McMinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McMinney. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. As I read this, I, th- I thought so many times we get caught up in our dissatisfaction towards other Christians who are not proclaiming the good news as Jesus told it. We walk around as angry people and may even let it overflow into our treatment of others. We shouldn't be angry. We shouldn't judge. Can we see the log in our own eye when we're telling our neighbors about the splinter in theirs? This can be applied at work, too. So often we get angry at some of the things that aren't going right and fixate on the wrongs. Then we completely miss the enjoyment we could derive from our job or whatever it is that we're doing. God loves us. So let's live that love by extending it to others, too. As long as we're true witnesses to the good news, then let's leave the judging, the punishing and the anger to God. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Lisa Giruzzi, a communications expert who's going to share the skills she teaches corporate executives on how to get the most out of their employees so that we can hopefully get the most out of our children. You won't want to miss this one. I'll be excerpting from my book, or maybe looking at the job search for over 50s, or mentioning the weather, or talking about returning to America. I don't quite know yet, so listen up with your cup of tea and join me as I shiver and wade my way through May while living on an island in the unwelcome North Sea. Where did spring go? And I'm going to have to close my window because, you know, the sun has peeped out for just a moment and we've got the gardeners here, so I can hear the lawnmower. That's done. And while I was, well, no, wait a minute. Went over and did the window. Beautiful green grass out there. Reminds me that Chelsea won the FA Cup. That's where I ended my show last week. And I did see my daughter dancing live on my computer. They were called the Baco Foil Dancers because they were in silver. The camera was so far away. She was a teeny little speck on the field. And they all looked the same. So I knew she was in the red group. That was it. And while on the topic of live performances, there's nothing quite like seeing a famous actor performing in real life. I'll always remember Alan Bates as Hamlet when I was all of 16. My son will always remember seeing Danny DeVito up close and personal through our opera glasses in the Sunshine Boys last week. And talking of Hamlet, there's a Shakespeare festival going on in London at the moment at the Globe Theatre, where we took the tour while my son was here, 37 plays in 37 languages. Do you fancy seeing A Midsummer Night's Dream in Chinese? And they do have um, 
subtitles, so it wouldn't be that bad, I suppose. <laughs> the reconstruction of the Globe Theatre is a mere five minutes away from the original 17th century one, and it was beautiful. The day was sunny, so we were able to picnic by the Thames, looking at the exterior of this historic theatre, and reading the display of all the Shakespearean plays from April to September, being performed by Shakespearean companies from around the world. And we can get tickets for £5 a piece if we stand next to the stage with no seats. And, of course, if it's pouring with rain, you'd get drenched. And if it's hot, which doesn't happen very often, you'd bake. But Shakespeare made up the word for these people, groundlings, he called them. And they were a very rough crowd, apparently. And they would eat and they would drink. So I think we could take our picnics because it's very authentic. And um, while we were looking around the museum, I read an interesting observation written by Bernard Levin. don't know if anybody's heard of him, but he's an English writer and a show host, or he was an English writer. He now, he's now dead. And he worked as a columnist for the London Times. He was said to be the most famous journalist of his day. And this is what he wrote on quoting Shakespeare. If you cannot understand my argument and declare it's Greek to me, you're quoting Shakespeare. If you claim to be more sinned against than sinning, you're quoting Shakespeare. If you recall your salad days, you're quoting Shakespeare. If you act more in sorrow than in anger, if your wish is further to the thought, if your lost property is vanished into thin air, you're quoting Shakespeare. If you've ever refused to budge an inch or suffered from green-eyed jealousy, if you'd played fast and loose, if you've been tongue-tied, a tower of strength, hoodwinked, or in a pickle, if you've knitted your brows, made a virtue of necessity, insisted on fair play, slept not a wink, stood on ceremony, danced attendance on your lord and master, laughed yourself into stitches, had short shrift, cold comfort, or too much of a good thing, if you've seen better days or lived in a fool's paradise, why, be that as it may, the more fool you, for it is a foregone conclusion that you are, as good luck would have it, quoting Shakespeare. If you think it is early days and clear out baggage and baggage, if you think it's high time and that that is the long and short of it, if you believe that the game is up and that truth will out, even if it involves your own flesh and blood, if you lie low till the crack of doom because you suspect foul play, if you have your teeth set on edge at one fell swoop without rhyme or reason, then to give the devil his due if the truth were known, for surely you have a tongue in your head, you're quoting Shakespeare. Even if you bid me good riddance and send me packing, if you wish I was dead as a doornail, if you think I'm an eyesore, a laughing stock, the devil incarnate, a stony-hearted villain, bloody-minded, or a blinking idiot, then by Jove, oh Lord, tut tut, for goodness sake, what the dickens, but me no buts, it is all one to me for you, are quoting Shakespeare. Bless Bernard Levin. And I love that. And in fact, there's a list of words that Shakespeare is supposed to have made up. And you can go online and you can find these words and you can actually find them referenced to the play that they show up in. So all great stuff. Wonderful, wonderful lesson material for English. And now there's a riverboat 
that runs down the Thames, used by businessmen and tourists alike, called the Thames Clipper. It tootles between Embankment and Greenwich, stopping along the way to let customers off and on. And before I go any further, Greenwich is where the Meridian Line is. That's where we get Greenwich Mean Time from. That's where that clock is. There is no commentary on these boats, so it's not an educational journey. But as I said to my son, we can look up the route online and find the landmarks that he photographed if we don't know what they are off the top of our heads, which we did. We went all the way to Greenwich and got off to see the Cutty Sark used in the late 19th century for the tea trade between China and Britain. It's on the National Historic Ships Register, which is the nautical equivalent of a grade one listed building, and is one of three remaining original clipper ships from the 19th century. It was badly damaged by fire during conservation recently. How awful is that? Can you imagine being the person that maybe started that fire and was only just reopened last month? And this is where our son had his cream tea. Other things we did during his flying visit was to sit in the public gallery of the Old Bailey and watch some of an arson trial, tour St. Paul's, visit the Churchill War Rooms on King Charles Street, where I addressed all my letters to my parents when I was at boarding school to go in the diplomatic bag, which was dispatched twice a week to their embassy in Beirut. My youngest took the weekend off to come with us to Camden Town. She took her brother back to Leon Sea with her for a couple of hours to show off where she lived. And he experienced traveling home alone at night using the public transport, which I always rave about. Together, we visited the local a couple of times and ate fish and chips a couple of times, too. And it rained every day. Not that we would have done any more in the sunshine. He just would have remembered London in a sunnier light. Well, I'm going to go to my book excerpt. Um, Still on chapter 22, the outside draws in. We parents are facing the question of how best to live with an adult child while still maintaining a safe environment for the three resident adolescents. Slap bang in the middle of what was becoming a loosely scheduled homeschooling routine, our oldest son graduated cum laude from the College of Santa Fe, New Mexico. We had to repeat the outward journey and rent a large van to transport him back to the family estate. I'd read enough of James Dobson to know that not only was our son going to feel withdrawal symptoms from living on his own, well, at least with no parental controls for the last two years, we were going to have to change our treatment of him since he was now a degreed young man on the edge of a shining career at the very young age of 20. Forget the fact that he was going to be moving back into the family home with its attendant rules and regulations in place since we still had three non-degreed folk abiding and watching for clues as to how they could stretch the envelope now that Big Bro was home and not cause a major fracas. How were we going to deal with our adult child among our adolescent children? To delay the reality of the inevitable, we all traveled across country for his graduation a few days early because we loved Santa Fe. The mountains and the woods, not to mention the air, which allowed me to breathe more easily. We attended pre-graduation events at the college and helped our son pack up and clean The graduation itself was small and featured a native pipe player before the commencement speech, which was insightful and funny as they usually are. We could see our sons throughout because there are only 750 students in the entire college, a third of whom were graduating, so it made videoing easy. 
Afterwards, there was a reception, and later we threw, threw a luncheon for him and his closest friends, a modest homeschool number of four. Remember, we don't socialize. Then we loaded up the van and brought him and his two years of accumulated stuff home with us. Thus began the summer preceding our 13th year. We were just getting used to not having him around, and here he was back as if nothing had happened. I bid farewell to my routine, which had been irregular and short-lived, and resigned myself to the fact that perhaps life would never be the same again. Even with the four children back in residence, we'd never all be doing the same things together, unless it was going on holiday. Hmm, not such a bad idea. And it looks as though I have to go on a short break, but I'll be back after these messages with my guest, Lisa Geruzzi. So hang in there. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDoeswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Doeswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Druggynet.com. Connect with Juliana and connect with what lies beneath. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on Toginet.com. Juliana is certified as a life coach who wants people to connect. Connect with what lies beneath, those truths and answers. And through her counseling practice, she has helped others find their personal power and fulfill their dreams. And she wants to do the same for you here on Connect with Juliana. Through intimate discussions, intriguing subject matters, and the expertise of her guests. For more on Juliana and her show, check out her website, connectwithjuliana.com. Juliana will cover it all. Nothing is off limits. She wants to know what matters to you. Make the connection. Tune in to Toginet to connect with Juliana to find out the facts that could be hidden beneath the surface. Connect with Juliana on Toginet to make a quality connection in your life. Friday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I'm back, and my guest this week is Lisa Geruzzi, author of 31 Days to Transform Your Life, 
Bringing Out the Best in Your Employees, the ultimate guide for managers and supervisors to engage and empower employees to be effective and productive, and co-author of the Amazon bestseller, 42 Rules for Creating We. She's also a co-host of the television talk show, Real Conversations, and is a dynamic speaker captivating audiences with her powerful message at keynote presentations, and workshops nationwide. Lisa has spent the last 25 years of her life learning everything she can about effective communication and its impact on one's ability to produce results. For the last seven years, she's focused her mission on causing positive, sustainable change in the workplace. She specializes in assisting organizations to empower and engage their employees to be more successful and productive by training managers and supervisors in effective communication. And today, we're going to take her expertise into our basements and kitchens and unlock the secret to understanding and being understood by those nearest and dearest to us. Welcome to my show, Lisa. How are you this morning? I'm fabulous. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this important show. Well, thank you for taking time to come and share some of your massive expertise with us because, you know, communication is something that's really, really important. And, you know, you, you I know, focus on saying exactly what you mean and say, letting people know exactly how you feel. And sometimes that's not always easy because words just kind of jump out of your mouth without permission. So let's start a little bit with how you... Um, moved or came to start your business trans transformational conversations is that what your um business is called that's right that's the name of my company okay well, so, actually, so, yeah go ahead i'm sorry i actually no, started in social work um many 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 moons ago um uh, it's hard to believe how long ago that was but uh i it, you know as most people who go into a field like that you know the key the, the whole motivating factors you really want to make a difference and you know i was out in the field doing my work and um getting a little bit uh, more cynical as each day went by but early in my career i had a very challenging position where i investigated child abuse and um, unfortunately on some occasions it was so bad that we would have to remove the children from their parents care and one of the things that happened was i um the very first time I was charged with this kind of uh, action, I really didn't do a very good job of communicating with the parents, and it just made it terrible. Um, it made the, the whole thing just so much harder. And, you know, the intention of these kinds of actions were to, you know, cause change within the family, and engaging the parents at the beginning was critical. And I realized in that moment that I, I had so little knowledge of actual effective communication to engage and empower people that, you know, I, I knew how to say maybe the right words, but that they didn't always uh, cause the result that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I remember pacing the floor that night and just uh, saying there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way to communicate, to cause change, to help people. And that's really when my quest began, which was more than 20 years ago. And, um, and so I was working in the field, uh, mostly working with families and young people, and uh, came across some something known as transformational education, which 
changed my life dramatically and was helping me to change the lives of the people that I was working with. But one of the things I noticed is how much people hated going to work. You know, Mm -hmm. that people recognize that they have to do it, but that the work environment is something that people dread. And, you know, whether it's the work they do or the people they work with, um, and there was this pervasive issue of unhappiness at work. And so I got fascinated by that and um, began uh, doing some work with some groups and, you know, in, in workplaces and had great success. And so I've taken, um, you know, the things that I've learned that worked with individuals and, uh, you know, extrapolated that to the workplace, and, and I've had great success. And now I work a lot with managers and supervisors to help them to engage and empower their employees to uh, be more effective, but mostly it's about bringing out the best in people, mm-hmm. and and I think that's what parents want is to bring out the best in their children. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of time in families, we we tend not to be as careful when we're talking to each other as we might be with our employees or even strangers. You know, somebody at the grocery store. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Yeah, and so how how do you you know? How would you tell a parent or or help a parent to talk in a way right from the beginning to their children and their spouse um, in a way that will effectively get across either their message or help them not just turn off, oh, that's mum talking again, you know, and blank. (laughs) Right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, life does come full circle, right? I So I started working with families, and then for the last nine years or so, I've been working corporate and, you know, organizational work. And over this last year, I have had such an enormous um, request from various people to do to take my work and help people within the family. Mm-hmm. And over this last year, I've been working on a, a program called uh, The Keys to Getting What You Want. And you know, and it was designed for individuals and families. And, you know, so the question you asked me sounds like an easy question, but it's, communication is just very complex. That there's, you know, we think about communication in terms of what we say or what we write or even, you know, whether somebody's listening or not. Mm-hmm. But communication actually starts with thinking. It actually starts with the voices in our heads and and I'm not saying we're crazy, but if you're listening and you said, what voice in my head? That's the voice I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, we all have this uh, constant communicator in our head. Uh, I call it the narrator. And it's telling us a story, and it's helping us to sort of figure out the world. Well, the good news is it's helping us to figure out the world. The bad news is is that it's often, well, it's always only coming from one point of view. So, you know, we gather information as we grow about what parenting is, you know, uh, how girls should be, how boys should be, how parents should be. Like we have this whole world of uh, understanding of what life should be like. But what we often don't do is question whether our beliefs serve us. And so a lot of times when we're, we're communicating out loud, when we're saying something to someone else, it's... Uh, so colored and influenced by all kinds of past decisions, all kinds of past interpretations of life. And so the very first thing we need to do is to get clear about our beliefs and what we are 
um, you know, what have we inherited sort of, you know, through osmosis versus what do we really want, what do we really believe, what do we really, you know, how do we really want our our relationship with our children to be or how do we really want our relationship with our significant other to be, you know, that those things that, that we take for granted um, are often, are just because we've, We've sort of learned through, you know, various things how to, uh, you know, what it should be like. But each one of us has a different opinion about that. Mm. But we act as if our opinion is the only one. And sometimes that, sometimes that opinion would be inherited or not necessarily through genes, but well, no. the way you were taught or, or brought up as a child with your That's- parents. That's exactly right. And yeah. even though sometimes people say, I'm never going to be like my mother, well, then that's just the opposite. You know, you're still being, you're still a reaction. Mm-hmm. You're not choosing how you want to be. You're just being the opposite. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yes. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not saying that we all have time to sit down and just, you know, think about every belief that we have. But if you have a relationship that's important to you, and we all do, right, whether it's your mother or whether it's your child or your significant other or, you know, any number of relationships, I think the first thing is we have to question, you know, how do we think this should be? And is that is that really the way we want it to be? Is that really the way, if we had a magic wand and we said, okay, this is the way I want it to be, you know, is that the way you'd want it to be? Or is that, is there some should? Um, in my book, 31 Days to Transform Your Life, I talk about the shoulds and how to, you know, how to get past all these shoulds that we have, you know, and we have a ton of them when it comes to parenting. Oh my goodness, we just, you know, parent, you know, mom should be this way and dad should be this way and, you know, and, and, and it's very confusing because it, it puts you in this box of, of taking on other people's beliefs. And then the way you communicate, you know, out loud or the way you, uh, you know, interact with people is completely influenced by that. So, you know, in my work and, and in my, this new program that I developed, the very first thing that I tell people is they have to get clear about how they want it to be and what are the beliefs that are limiting them and holding them back and work on letting go of those beliefs. So could you give me an example of that, uh, of how maybe of how somebody might want their whatever as a parent, their family to be, their relationship with their children to be? You know, could that be like, um, I don't no no losing temper, no getting angry, no calling names, um, what 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 are you, what kind of thing are we talking about? Yeah, those could be. I mean, those could be choices, and certainly I would you know agree with those, right? Those are uh, those are good <laughs> ones. But I'm thinking more. So a lot of it is a lot more subtle. Like, um, you know, uh, you know, a good one I think that we deal with all the time is that um, husbands or significant others should. Um, you know, tell us they love that, you know, that they love us, or they should, uh, you know, um, buy me flowers every so often, or whatever. You know, like, they, we all have these, uh, you know, th- ways of thinking that, that it should be that way. And I'm not saying it's not nice to hear, you know, your significant other saying, I love you, but when we live in the world of should, like it should happen, then all we're doing is listening for when it's not happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're not listening. We're not paying attention to all the other ways that our significant other is expressing their love for us. 
Well, Lisa, we have to we have to go on a quick break here for about ninety seconds, and we'll be right back. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Want to be challenged in a powerful way to leap beyond what you think is possible? Then join us Mondays for the Leah Jansen Show, every Monday at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com with Leah Jansen. Listen live as life coach Leah uses her coaching skills to give you the tools you need to take action and create momentum. You are encouraged to call in and share your greatest fears, challenges, and obstacles. And then listen as Leah obliterates those barriers to success. For more on Leah and the show, check out her website, leahjansen.com. That's Leah, L-E-A-H-J-A-N-T-Z-E-N.com. Spend one hour with Leah, and you'll be captivated by her energy, enthusiasm, and magnetism. You'll quickly become addicted to her positive attitude and make-it-happen mentality. Ready for a life-changing, mood-altering show? Then get ready for Leah Jensen. And listen live to The Leah Jensen Show every Monday morning at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So what I think I'm hearing a little bit of is that in a, in a relationship, say in a marriage between a husband and wife, um, the two of you should be talking about how the big picture, how, how do you see this marriage? You might have examples of, you know, parents who have been 60 years married and, you know, still respect each other, are still very polite and listen to each other. And, um, you know, you may want that for your marriage and you may look at it and, and, communicate to each other that's the way you would like to you know have your marriage go is is that something yeah. that you encourage you yeah absolutely because too often we have expectations but we don't we don't talk about them we have this sense that our you know our husband or wife or whatever our significant other should already know especially yeah. if they've been with us a while they should already know yeah. So we often don't out loud say what our expectations are and then negotiate, you know, how that's going to look. 
mm-hmm. because I may have an expectation that, you know, uh, my husband and I have a date every week. But if he doesn't have that expectation or he doesn't have that need, you know, we may have to negotiate that to once every other week because, you know, then it works for both of us. Mm-hmm. But so often these things just don't get said out loud. Yeah. Or if they do, we don't, we hear them through the filters of our, um, our interpretation or opinion about the other person. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't get communicated quite right. And sometimes what's really important to you might not be important to the other person. And so they don't have a vested interest. And so they're not deliberately not doing what they know that you would, would like. But um, it's, just, it's, it's just not on the top of their, you know, sort of have to, have to do list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In, the, in the program that I was telling you about, the second uh, key is, I call it a, sort of a fun name, but it's influence without arm twisting. Mm-hmm. And it's how to speak in a way that captures the listening of the person or people that you're speaking with. Because so much of the time, because we're so focused on our, on, on our opinion and our, and this is something we do unconsciously. This is not something we do consciously. But we, because we're only coming from our perspective, if we don't, if we don't expand that and work on it, then when we tell our children, I, I need you to clean the room, or I, you know, tell your husband, pick up your socks, or even, you know, something like, uh, don't forget your, you know, lunch every day or whatever. Well, whatever. Your, these, most kids aren't going to school, the kids here. But, you know, my point is, is that then that we don't see the results. We think we're not being listened to. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things is, is that we're, we're not talking from what's in it for the other person. We're not taking their concerns and their, um, their, their what's important to them. As we're speaking, we're, we're mostly speaking from our own concerns and our own uh, worries. Mm-hmm. And so it, there's a disconnect. So going back to what you were saying is, you know, if there's a, you know, if the other person, it's not, it's not a big deal for them or it's not a priority, it's, it goes to the background. And they're not not doing it on purpose or to irritate you. They're just, it's just in the scheme of all the things they have that are important to them, this is a low you know, a low priority. And we get mad because we think it's a high priority for us. It should be a high priority for you. Yeah. yeah. And if, if, if you really love me, then he would make it a high priority yeah. too. <laughs> You'd listen. So when you start thinking about, well, how could I, how could I influence someone? And I'm talking about positive influence here, but if you, you know, how could I influence someone without, you know, coercion or manipulation or all that? It really does begin with getting curious about what the other person is, is interested in or what the other person, uh, you know, it, it was a priority for that person. And then framing your communication in a way so that it matches that what's important to them. When I do workshops, I often do this, you know, the visual I use is sort of two half circles, you know, with one, you know, half circle being what's important to you and the other half circle just bumping, you know, just, bumping up against the other one, you know, just a slight overlap and, you know, what's important to them and then finding that, you know, you could call it the sweet spot of communication. And when you come from being curious, when you start, you know, thinking in terms of, you know, I wonder what is really important to my daughter and, and you know, I wonder what really, you know, why should she care about cleaning her room? Mm-hmm. You know, why should she care if I, it's because it's just because it's important to me. It doesn't mean it's important to her. So, or why should my husband care about, you know, whatever? Um, 
it, it actually changes the way you communicate. And so when you're curious and you start to get the, the answers to those questions, then you can reframe your communication in such a way that it, it clicks. And then the other person naturally takes action and does you know, takes the action that you want them to, or, or even that, you know, then it might involve some negotiation, but still you're going to see a big change in how the other person responds. Mm. Um, you're talking, when you're talking to employers and um, as managers and supervisors, we're talking about adults. As parents, we've got children who really, I, I can think of um, one of my children particularly who really doesn't see that his bedroom is untidy or uh-huh. just, I mean, it's just not even, I couldn't even say untidy because untidy to me is just the odd thing out of place. And so, I mean, I don't know how I could, I don't know how I could get him to care about cleaning his room unless of course his girlfriend was coming to visit, but then he would get so, um, I don't know, comfortable with his friend that it really, that really wouldn't matter anyway. So I just, I have really tried to think, well, what's important to him? And in the end, I just close the door and go, I'm just not going to worry about it because, you know, it's important to me, but it's his space. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is he might not ever care about cleaning the room. And I guess for me, it's not getting him to care about what you care about. It's no. finding out what he does what care is, about. He, yeah, and he, then finding out, is there a way to make that connection? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, as a parent, you, you choose, you know, really in the scheme of things is how clean the room, you know, how big is that on the scale, right? You, you have to decide that for yourself. I certainly don't have a, a judgment about that. But, you know, I know that that can be a real bone of contention. I, uh, one of my sisters with her daughter, um, you know, it's just been a battle for years until she finally said, you know what, what do I care? There's a door, I'm closing it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it just became. You have of, to start thinking of yourself. How much stress is it giving me to be stressing out yeah. about and, and is it worth it? And in the end, it isn't. You just have to just calm down. And, and you're, that's absolutely right. I think that's a really good key is to find out what is the, what the other person really is interested in. Yeah. And what, what, what are, what are their, their interests? Be there, you know, young children or adults. Find out what it is that gets them ticking, gets them motivated and just go with that. And maybe, just maybe, they might want to find out what it is that you, yeah. um, is important to you. And they might discern that perhaps cleaning my room might make mom, you know, sort of um, more con- conducive to, you know, sort of doing little things that I would like her to do for me. And we can play this game of give and take, yeah. You know what I also would just say, there's two things here. One is, this goes back to the getting clear. Because you have to ask yourself why, you know, like why is the room being cleaned so important to me? Or why is the husband picking up the socks so important to me? Because it's linked to some other belief, like it should be done. Or if I was a good parent, then I could get him to clean the room. And so it becomes not about the room, but some other way of thinking. So that's mm-hmm. the first thing. And then the second thing is sometimes, and it depends on the age of the child, but actually contextualizing why the clean room is so important. You know, mm-hmm. because it, I do this with managers all the time. I say, you know, you tell this employee they have to do it this way, but you don't give them a context. So they have a better way or they think it's silly in the scheme of what they have to do. But if you can connect that to a bigger purpose or a bigger reason, 
mm-hmm. you know, then then it's easier for the child or the per, any of us to see our role in something bigger. And mm-hmm. one thing that's true about human beings, no matter what age, is our our desire to be connected mm-hmm. is very strong. And so when we can see ourselves as, you know, or what we're doing is connected to something bigger than ourselves, whether it's the, you know, a, a vision of a company or whether it's the well-being of the family or the, you know, peace in the family or whatever, but they need, it, it can't seem like they're giving in. It's more like they're part of something. Mm-hmm. And recontextualizing that way often will, um, you know, help the child bridge that gap between what you want and what they want. Well, Lisa, we've talked about verbal communication. There are other kinds of communication, the nonverbal communication, and also other things that, like, you can talk to somebody or you can be with somebody, and if they have a raging headache, they're going to be a different person to the person Mm -hmm. they were earlier. So do you deal with that in your... Work? Oh, yeah. Yes. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I, in my work, I say everything is communication, that there isn't anything that occurs outside of communication. Because, frankly, if you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off in traffic, that's a communication. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, you know, are expecting a phone call from your significant other at a certain time and they don't call you, that's a communication. So we're always interpreting the world. We're always you know, making up meaning, we're adding meaning to every single thing that happens. And so everything is a communication. So, you know, what I tell people is, you know, I've already said it once, but being curious and being um, willing to um, be wrong, I think are the two keys to being an effective communicator. Because when we think we know, we already know, you know, how this person is or how this person isn't. We already know what, you know, uh, this child is going to say or do when they come home or I already know how my significant other is going to be when they come home. We cut off communication because we aren't, we stop listening because we already know and we're not curious. So we're not discovering what, uh, you know, what's happening. And then the other piece is that we aren't willing to be wrong. So, um, you know, when we, uh, and that's all of us, by the way, unless we get, unless we start getting curious about that and go, okay, would I be willing to be wrong about how my husband is or how my child is or how my girlfriend is? You know, would I be willing to be wrong about that? And when you're willing to be wrong, you can learn so much. And then that triggers asking questions versus telling. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, many of your um, listeners uh, are teaching their children, you know, all kinds of things. And my guess is that you're uh, working really hard to instill curiosity mm-hmm. in your child, right? The curiosity for learning. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, it's not about sitting in a to, chair. Oh, Lisa, we have to go on just a really quick break. We'll be back sure, sorry. So continue here. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Why do I feel so lousy? Why are my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live on toginet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live here on Togginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Togginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Lisa, we have probably about five minutes, and I would like to make sure that you um, are letting everybody know where to find you and how to get to a place where parents can go and maybe download or listen to some of your tips that that you have for them to help them um, encourage their children and, and um, you know, get their children to be curious about how it is that we see the world and how we be curious about how it is that they see the world. So, Yeah, that's great. Um, the the best thing would be to go to your4keys.com. So it's Y-O-U-R, mm-hmm. the number four, and then keys.com. And um, there there's a free audio program called The Three Biggest Communication Myths that are keeping you from getting what you want. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with anything, whether it's you want a great relationship with your child or you want to enhance your relationship with anyone, whatever, you know, whatever you want. And um, that audio program is um, is just an exceptional way to get started. And then in addition to that, on that page, there's also um, a place that says getting started. And that's where you could find uh, more information on this program I was telling you about, the keys to getting what you want, the four little-known communication secrets. Um, and on that page, you'll see this is a this program has not been officially launched. Uh, we're in pre-launch mode. So uh, what I'm offering, if anyone is interested, because I think, you know, this is so important for families, um, that I'm offering a basically a half-price uh, t- 
to uh, offer. So if you go to the page and you put in, um, you know, you go to the get get started page. There's a, you scroll down, and it'll tell you everything that you get. Which is this is an audio program. It's all digital, um, and you put in the when you click on the link and you go to the shopping cart, you put in the capital letters L O V E. I figured that'd be easy to remember. Love, right? Um, and uh, you'll get a fifty dollars discount on the program. So you'll get the five audios, um, which are the main program, and then there's some bonuses and things like that. But what I can promise you is, uh, and, and there's a money-back guarantee on this program, what I can promise you is that you will enhance any relationship that you are in through this program. Mm. Mm. And, and if people uh, have questions for me, they can email me at lisa at yourcommunicationauthority.com or they can, there's a contact page on your4keys.com, and I'll get that if, if people want to, you know, ask me questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, just as we were going on the break, you were talking about asking questions of your children rather than telling them what to do. Couch it in questions so that, mm-hmm. you can, and that way, you know, they, they, they can maybe tell you how they feel about that. And it might not be rebellion. It might just be that, Oh gosh, you know, I'm so hungry. I really need to eat something first, or right. you know, you know, something simple like that that you might not, because you're not hungry yourself. That might be furthest from your mind, right? You know, one of the things I I would recommend, and this may sound crazy, but it, let's let's go back to the room example. You know, it, even asking your child to put themselves in your shoes and say, you know, honey, if you were me. And getting your room clean was really important to you. How would you how would you ask me to do it or what would you suggest? Yeah. Would be the I mean, ask your kids. They will tell you. I promise you, they will tell you. And it may you may or may not want to do it just because they tell you, but at least it'll give you insight into how they think and how they connect the world and what's important, you know, how they connect the dots in the world and how, what's important. And I find that asking questions really from the place of curiosity, not like, oh, you're trying to get them, you know, but really getting curious and just assuming that you don't know what's going on in their little brains because you don't any more than they know what's going on in your big brain. That's right. That's right. Well, Lisa, we've come to the end of our time. I've been chatting to Lisa Giruzzi, who began her career working with families in distress as a social worker. And this is where she found that effective communication was essential to create successful outcomes in very emotionally challenging situations. Being able to articulate what you want, how you're feeling, what you envision your future looking like is tantamount to a successful relationship with those you care about most. Lisa went on to co-found the We Institute and write books on how to transform our lives. And you can go to um, her her website and um, effective communication. Give me your website again. I have well the the product is at uh, your4keys.com. That's the program. But you can also go to yourcommunicationauthority.com. That's the one. There's also some free gifts there. But that's that's primarily for people in the workplace. But okay. you know everything uh, that I teach there can be. Uh, uh, applied to the home. Yes, yes. Well, I'm certain that our conversation today has inspired all of my listeners to work on better ways to communicate with their families and um, go to Lisa's website, take her up on her offer. And um, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me this week. I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much for inviting me and have a great, great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Well, that was very interesting. And I really, really, really do strongly um, recommend that you go to Lisa's website and, and have a look. And um, anything, anything that helps us communicate better with our families has to be good. Um, going back a couple of weeks to my conversation with Gretchen Rowe about unemployment got me considering my age. It's not the elderly community that I find myself in here in London that gets me feeling definitely over the hill. It's other things as well. At my optimistic best, I consider myself to be in my prime, as do my contemporaries, while most of the younger generation just consider me to be old. So how can we, the baby boomers, who are teetering on the edge of empty nest, vamp up our job hunting techniques and convince prospective employers that wisdom, maturity, and a few gray hairs or a lot are positive indicators that we are distinguished, sensible, and resourceful prime candidates for all the employment opportunities they may have to offer. I said to my blue-eyed cowboy when I was thinking in terms of age as double digits up there, we'll soon be highly sought after by McDonald's and Walmart. And he groaned and we groaned together. Age is relative, so no more digits. It's all about how fit are you, how spry, how mentally agile, how knowledgeable, how experienced and so on. Does the world really view us as has-beens fit only to bus greasy tables or say welcome to Walmart for the rest of our working lives? Or is it a wily conspiracy on the part of our offspring and theirs to keep us barefoot and vulnerable at home so that we'll jump at the drop of a hat at the opportunity to keep the grandchildren for an hour or a day or even a season? And um, I well may well be past middle age as it's defined in two well four score years and ten but i feel as though i have a new lease on life now that my wallet is heavy several weeks in succession because its drainers are no longer lusting after its contents as an entitled source of income i now have lots of times to impart everything i learned while raising and homeschooling four children a dog and a cowboy to an exhort organization who will take my advice act on it and benefit from it instead of flying headlong off to shores unknown, merely scattering bits of parental dogma along the way in a quest to reinvent the wheel. Their way this time. Job hunting, if you're doing it after 50, is no picnic. But I love picnics. Back in any family picnic is an all-weather institution. But job hunting after 50 is like a picnic plonked next to the proverbial cow pat. No fun at all. Job hunting after 50 means you're either unemployed or your current job is on the brink of ending. Enter your offspring who are now competing with you in the overcrowded job market. Oops, why did we have children again? After my last little tutorial on this topic of employment, you've composed, hopefully, what you think is a brilliant CV. That's a resume in American. You've sent out reams of them and are now sitting back watching the letterbox in the door, not vomit mail of any sort, onto the waiting doormat. Has you wondering if the postman is on holiday and nobody's picked up his route, or the stamps went up and your packages are going to be returned to sweet, having travelled all the way to their destination, only to be turned around for another 10 pence of postage. I hate that when it happens. The fact that you're still tuned into the snail male mentality is a sign that you are way behind the children in your job search process. Turn on your computer. You've reached a dead end. 
I won't bore you at this point with the negative indicators that things are dire. Enough to say that we are witty and intelligent and we have survived the teen invasion at home. So let's turn the lemons into lemonade and smile. Change what you can control. Wave goodbye to what you can't. You may have watched your children move successfully from job to job during your long search process, but don't despair. Grief therapists say the second year is worse than the first. Oops. Now may be the time to seek out some help. And my southern gentleman uses a job agency managed by the Guardian newspaper. Based on his expertise and qualifications, not a date in sight on his resume or CV, he gets daily details of the most interesting jobs in London vomited tidily into his email box. Um, he looked at a keeper at Dover Castle the other day and the head of the Diamond Jubilee Flotilla event down the Thames. And these are some very distinguished jobs, if only he knew someone on the inside, but at least he's applied for some of the best and we laugh and we dream and we have a good old natter over a cup of coffee and we realize that relationships are it. Unemployment will not last forever. And it looks as though I'm going to have to leave you now. So I'll be back next week. Um, I've got someone looking over the flat later on. Fingers crossed they love it as much as I do. And hopefully I may see some sunshine this week. We're going to visit a couple of museums because they're free. And we're going to walk around the London streets to absorb as much culture as possible. I'll be here, same time, same place. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight our four children who are the result of that belief. I miss you three in Texas, the hardworking staff at Net Radio, my guest Lisa Garuzzi, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindell, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte, and Sandy from Heartfield Holidays. Thank you so much for popping in and listen to Ali Lapreet later on today. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toto.